be turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We'll get there in just a few moments. You know, in Romans uh, 13, verse 7, it says, If you owe someone respect, give them respect. If you honor, if you owe them honor, give them honor. And uh, we should honor our, our moms and uh, respect them. And uh, it's great today to do that. And I know that uh, you're going to be doing that today uh, with uh, dinners and lunches and uh, visits and phone calls and all those kind of things. And uh, what you don't want to do is sit around hearing me pontificate for a long time. So I'm going to probably try not to and uh, go a little bit shorter today. But uh, I do want to say some things. And, you know, Chris gave the, the sort of the big disclaimer of all. And uh, you have to throw that out a little bit because uh, there may be people here today that as you think back on your mom, you don't have warm feelings. And you don't have great feelings. And you may think, well, you know, uh, to, be, to be honest with you, uh, my mom wasn't a great mom to me, or my mom uh, wasn't present when I needed her to be, or uh, maybe you didn't even know your mom, uh, you know, or whatever. I mean, people have all kinds of different stories in their life, but uh, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a great idea to honor moms, because moms are the bedrock of our homes oftentimes, and they are extremely important in all of our lives. I want to read to you a poem that will uh, bring to maybe clarity for all the moms the gift that you've got. It's called The Starfish Poem by Lauren Isley. Once upon a time, there was a wise man who used to go to the ocean to do his writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach before he began his work. One day, he was walking along the shore, and as he looked down the beach, he saw another person moving like a dancer. He smiled to himself to think of someone who would dance on, on the beach that day. So he began to walk faster to catch up. As he got closer, he saw that he was a young man, and the young man wasn't dancing, but instead he was reaching down on the shore and picking up something and very gently throwing it into the ocean. As he got closer, he called out, Good morning. What are you doing? The young man paused, looked up, and replied, I'm throwing starfish back into the ocean. I guess I should have asked, Why are you throwing starfish into the ocean? The sun is up, and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them back in, they'll die, the young man said. But the young man, don't you realize that there are miles and miles of beach and starfish all along it? You can't possibly make a difference by what you're doing. The young man listened politely, then bent down, picked up, and threw another starfish back into the sea, past the breaking waves, and said, I made a difference with that. Moms... You make a difference in our lives, a huge difference in all of our lives, and I want to focus on that today. We're going to be looking at a couple passages from the life of Jesus and his mother Mary. We actually have uh, a good amount of information and little snippets of uh, the relationship between Jesus and his mom. Now I'm going to focus in on two particular kinds of ways that I see that Jesus' mother Mary had an impact on his life. First of all, we're going to look at how she did it with what she physically did. We're going to call that the hand. 
And then we're going to talk about what she did from her heart and the love that she obviously had for her son. Are you at Luke 2? Okay, Luke 2, beginning in uh, verse 41. You guys there? Okay, here we go. We're going to talk about the hand, the physical things that Jesus' mother did as a mother to Jesus. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, so 12 years old, so about the age of a lot of my teens down here, my preteens, okay? A lot of you guys, about 12. Anybody 12 exactly here? We have a 12-year-old right there. All right, two. Okay, so about you guys this age. So he's when he's 12 years old. So not a, a kid, not a little kid, but not a grown uh, child uh, either. He's 12 years old. They went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. I'll bet they didn't. (laughs) Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and men. This is truly an extraordinary story. They go up to, the, to Jerusalem where there's a crowd, there's a throng, there's thousands of people there. Because it's a custom. And they'd gone for one of the feasts. And then they, they left and they uh, made an assumption that Jesus wasn't with them. But if he's not with them, he must be with some of the, the relatives or the friends. And they go along for a full day, not probably even thinking much about it. But at night, they're, they're trying to gather everybody together and they can't find him. How do you think you feel as a parent when you can't find your child? Utter panic. Where is my kid? If any of you, uh, just uh, for a moment of honesty, any of you ever lose your kid? <laughs> we, we, we have a few overly honest people that did that. Some of you that maybe uh, would like to, but you uh, don't want to admit it. They couldn't find him. They're looking all over the place, and they can't find him. And the only conclusion they come to, he must still be in Jerusalem. So it took them a day to get there. They go all the way back. They're looking all over Jerusalem. It says for three days they were looking for him. Which tells me that they must have seen people who saw him, and so they continue to look. And they're looking, and they're looking, and they're looking, and someone says, finally to them, I saw him over in the temple area. And so they go there, and they find him, 
and he's talking with the elders and the teachers of the law, and it says his mother and father were astonished. How would you feel as a parent? It's hard to imagine. You would be astonished. You would be angry. You would be relieved. Let me hug you. And then, you know, let me yell at you. (laughs) Three days they spent looking for that kid to find him. Can you imagine the travel preparation that the mother must have gone through to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem to get her kids ready? How much food did she have to make? How much clothing did she have to think through? You know, 12-year-olds don't think through that kind of thing. You know, when, when they go on a trip. So mom has to think through all this stuff. To get all this stuff ready. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this up for my teenagers first, and then I'm going to take it to everybody else. What do you guys notice that your mother physically does for you? What do you notice? Front row. Second row. Plans everything. Yes. She takes you to school. Food preparation is a big deal. Yeah. Helps you clean your room. Cleaning up. Washing the dishes. What else? What, what does mom do? We're, lo- we're losing physical control here. <laughs> Motor control is going. Nervousness is running rampant. What's that? Okay. How about some of the rest of you guys? What does mom do? She, te- she, uh, you're, okay, yeah, 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 grandma. Helps you take care of your children, yeah. Okay. It's just gone. And mom finds it. Unbelievable. Yeah. She does everything that every everybody else didn't do. Good. Yeah, way back in the back. Pete. Okay, mom's a good conversationalist. Yes, ma'am. Mom and Kurt. I'm sorry. Okay, encourages you. A phone call and a text, a modern interpretation there. I'm sure they didn't have that back then. Maybe maybe a, a more personal conversation than a phone call or a text. Yeah. Great advice. Yes, sir. She puts up with you. And, and that, that's a lot sometimes. Yeah. I'm sorry? She does what? Fills the bus? Fills the bus? 
Here's the buds. Uh, depending on. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yeah, you. Bails you out when you're in trouble. Yeah, how about when you're sick? How about when you're sick? Who takes care of you when you're sick? You want dad to take care of you when you're sick? Absolutely not. Dad, get out of here. I want mom. Mom! I want mom to take care of me. Yes, sir. Kevin was raised in Louisiana. This is a little bit of a, uh, Mom takes her out for shooting practice. <laughs> a lot of dead amarillos on that house. Uh, anyway. Listen, what our moms do for us. Okay, way back in the back. Yeah, one more. She what? Okay. I can't hear what she said. <laughs> Teach your kids Spanish. Amen. And that's very useful. Uh, uh, okay, now more hands are going up. Yes. Uh, I don't want to cut anybody off. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. Single mom, so she did mom and dad all rolled up into one. Yes, Leonard. Uh, she taught me how to be a professional in my job, but I didn't know that I didn't know that. Wow. You know, the thing is, and we have to cut off just for time's sake, that, that, that the truth is, in many, many of our lives, our mothers did things that are, that are memories at, in, in, in our mind that we can. It, it, it may have happened 10 years ago. It may have happened 20 year, years ago. But you can remember it as if it happened yesterday. When I was getting ready to go to college, I was packing my clothes up, which wasn't all that complicated for me. <laughs> I had uh, very little to take with me. Uh, but uh, I was packing up everything, putting it all together. And I was raised in a family. went to church on Sunday and, and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I didn't really appreciate it. Didn't like it much. Didn't like people at church and didn't have any faith at that time in my life. And I pack it all stuff together, and I come back in the room, my mother put my Bible uh, in, in my suitcase. And I said, what is that doing in there? <laughs> she said, well, you need to take your Bible with you. I said, well, I don't think I do. And I took it out, and I put it back where it was. Well, when I got to Eastern Illinois and unpacked after she had left, <laughs> there was my Bible there. Uh, <laughs> In my suitcase. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's, uh, at 18 and 19, we think we know what we need to be doing in life. And a lot of times our parents uh, still have a little bit of a head start on us in life and a little bit more wisdom. But Jesus' mother was there for him uh, in, in this particular case. I mean, we're putting out in a big way. Let's go all the way to the end of Jesus' life. Look over to John 19. This is the very end. I mean, the very end of Jesus' life. And who's still there? His mother. 
In John 19, verse 25, it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. That was John, who is the author of this letter. I always like how John describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. (laughs) He said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son, meaning John. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Jesus is at the very end of his life, and who's still there for him? His mother. And one of the last things he does in life is he makes sure that he has made a transfer of responsibility of who's going to take care of his mother. Up to that time, it was his responsibility. And he said, John, take care of my mom. I'm about ready to go. There's a physical, there's a laying of the hand to a task that a mother has. It's hard work to be a mother. It is tiring. It's exasperating at times trying to deal with children. Trying to help them do things that they need to do that that will help their life in an incredible way down the road that they don't appreciate at all at the moment. If we all think back on all the effort that our mothers put into us, it would uh, be an impressive thought. Sometimes being a mom is just about the hands. It's about getting your hands dirty. Getting your hands involved in helping your kids. And just doing the dead out, sometimes unpleasant work of being a mom. But that wasn't all that Jesus had with his mom. There was also the heart. Look over to John 2. And this is sort of the heart end of it. We've looked at the hand end of the relationship between Mary and And Jesus, this is more the heart. This is the emotional end, the physical thing we talked about. Now, this is more the sort of the heartsy side of it, the emotional side of it. And uh, beginning in verse 1, this is a great story from the life of Jesus. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So Jesus' mother was invited to the wedding or was was involved in, in the wedding in some way, and Jesus... Uh, and the guys were also invited to this wedding. So it's probably uh, someone that's known in the community and that they all knew. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, so that, that's why I infer that Jesus' mother may have been involved in some sort of uh, orchestration of, of the wedding itself. She may have been the wedding planner, as we would call it today. And they ran out of wine. And so she goes to Jesus and says, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Evidently, Jesus' mother had seen Jesus do some things that were pretty extraordinary. And they ran out of wine. We don't know if it's because bad planning. We don't know if more people showed up than they expect. We don't know if people were drinking more than they should have been. Maybe all those things were happening. I don't know. But we do know they're out of wine. And Mary says to Jesus, Jesus, I think you can fix this problem. And Jesus says, Mom, why are you dragging me into this? You ever feel like that, kids? 
Your mom dragging you into things. You're like, Mom, let it go. I know you feel that. You, you don't want to act it, but you do. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants knew that who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheap wine after the, drink, uh, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. This is, here's some really good stuff right there, guys. Most of the time you serve the good wine first, and they get a little lit, and uh, you bring out the... You bring out the two-buck chuck later, okay? Try, try, try to, trying to make this relatable for some of you, okay? <laughs> and he tastes the wine that, that Jesus had made, and he says, wow, this is the best wine I've had all day. What have you done? And it goes on to say in verse 11, this is the first of the miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and the disciples put their faith in him. I think Mary was proud of Jesus. My son can do some extraordinary things. Isn't it normal for parents to have at least to some degree an over-evaluation of what their children can do? Now, in this case, she wasn't overstating it. He actually could do it. And he did it. But she had that kind of relationship where she really liked him and she, she thought a lot of him and had a lot of hope and a lot of vision uh, for him in life. I want to encourage parents here. Have a vision for your kids. Have a high opinion of your children. There's going to be plenty of people in their lives that have a, a lower opinion of them. You say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to blow up their ego. Well, there's enough people ruining their ego as, as they go through life, making them feel and look stupid or, or uh, incapable of doing things. I think one of the greatest relationships and responsibilities that, that parents can have with their children is to believe in their children. I believe in you. Now, I'm going to give you a caveat on that, though. Don't set your kids up for, for, for failure. You know, I believe you can be the smartest kid in your class. Well, maybe don't do that. You know, get your high school, you know, grades and look at it and realize that at least 50% of their, their, their DNA is from you. Before you start building up in their head that they need to be the smartest kid in the class when, when you, you work. Just a thought. You know what I'm saying? I, I tell you, <laughs> a hilarious thing for my family, though, my cousin Squirrel, which I, I've mentioned him for a different time, uh, his, uh, it'd be his granddaughter. Is that right? Where's Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Squirrel's granddaughter is graduating from Murray State University in uh, in a couple weeks, 
and she sent us a graduation notice, and she's graduating magna cum laude. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I haven't talked to Squirrel yet, but I'm telling you, he has got to be one of the most proud guys in all the world, because uh, he didn't graduate magna cum laude from, uh, from anything. <laughs> you know, so hey, you know, one of the keys there is marry up, you know. Always go for a higher, you know, and said you don't want to go lower. Uh, that, that won't help you. <laughs> but you got to build your kids up, guys. Come on. I believe in you. You can do this. And, uh, uh, you know, when they whine and moan that they can't do it, you know, sometimes you need to say, you need to quit whining and moaning and griping. You know, and get in there and work a little harder, and maybe you'll have a little bit more success. But you have this emotional connection where I think Mary was very... Uh, proud of him. And, and I think Jesus didn't always make it easy. Look over to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus, like a typical son, child, didn't always make it easy on his parents, on his mother. At times it was difficult. And parenting at times is difficult. It, it, it's, uh, it's more difficult than, than I would have ever imagined when you see things going on in your kids' lives and you're like, you know, I'm pretty sure you're making some really bad choices right here, but you're not listening. Your listener's broke right now. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to go through that. It's difficult at moments to be a parent. Uh, and even with uh, not just young children, but grown children as well. And th- this is an example of, of it being a, a difficult moment for, I think, Mary and Jesus. In verse 46, it says, While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside waiting or wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, Who is my mother and my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I think that was an awkward moment for Mary. Now, Jesus was making a point, and he made it. And it was a strong point. But it must have been somewhat of an embarrassing moment and difficult moment for his mother. How you handle difficult moments as a mom or a dad with your children is some of the most important things that you're going to deal with as a parent. It's not always easy to be a mom. Matter of fact, sometimes it's just awful hard to be a mom. But that emotional connection, the patience that comes from that emotional connection is one of the most important things that a child can feel from their parents. I don't think that my mother approved at times of how I acted, but I never doubted whether my mother loved me. And she wasn't real bashful about telling me what she thought either when I wasn't acting properly. My dad was much more likely not to say anything but boy, when he did say something, he was like a ceiling fell on top of me. 
just a little different thing. She did more of the talking, but I did more of the listening, you know, to, to my dad, if you know what I'm saying. And sometimes that happens in families, is that moms talk a lot, uh, and, they, and sometimes they can talk too much. <laughs> Speak less and say more. Sometimes it'd be a good idea, if you know what I'm saying. The emotional heart level connection between a son and a mother, a, a, a daughter and a mother, is one of the most beautiful things of all. Soft as a mother's love is a saying that, that used to go around, probably not as popular as it was at one time. But the softness and the, and the emotional connection, the heart level connection, that you can have with your children is one of the most precious things of life. Now for most of this, this afternoon, we're either going to see our moms or uh, talk to our moms on the phone or have some sort of contact with your mom this afternoon. Let me encourage you big time. Be grateful. And if you say, well, there's a lot of things I'm not very happy about. Well, then think about the things that you are happy about. And try to find the positive and try to find the good and emphasize the positive and emphasize the good. It's a good idea to give respect to our moms. And I hope today, looking at Jesus and Mary, has given you some ideas and, and some thoughts of your relationship and how you can uh, foster it and make it better. And I hope that the, today will be a great day for all you moms, that you will feel incredibly loved and appreciated, admired, respected, and honored on this Mother's Day. Have a great day.